everyone and welcome to this free episode of TM. It's the free one. It sure is, Milo. Thank you very much. That's right. Uh, the this has been the uh, which one is it hour? Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's the free. It's been an hour already. It really, the time really <laughs> yeah. does fly when you're having fun. You oh know? my goodness, it's been an hour. So uh, if you want to come see us, we are doing a live show. <laughs> yeah, we just have a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are actually doing a live show. It, 18th it is, of October. Tickets are flying out the door. They <laughs> are absolutely. It is. Um, it is. Our biggest, our biggest venue yet, and we are seeing it uh, fill up. So yeah, if you want to be come to London, come to London. If maybe you already live in London, in which case you're basically already there. I'm going to get the train down for this. You have no excuse not to. Well, Alice is going to get the train down. Asterisk, maybe. No, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to attempt to get the train down. I will, pl- I will commend my soul into the hands of British public transport. Hell yeah, we're going to hang out with Alice. We're going to go, we're going to go. Alice pilled. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We're gonna be we're gonna be hijab maxing. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. haters are seething about how much fun <laughs> the TF live show is going to be. That's, that's right. right. How much fun we're all gonna have at the team dinner we're gonna have, which you are not invited to. Yeah. Except maybe, yeah. what if maybe potentially one lucky ticket holder was invited to the team dinner? The only yeah. way to find out is buy a ticket. Maybe the two. golden email. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. Maybe just uh, go to Chilango. Any Chilango in London. Yeah. <laughs> we might yeah. be there. Yeah. Is your grandfather refusing to get out of bed? Maybe <laughs> attend the Trash Future Live Show. <laughs> Hastily cancelling the CF Live Show Mexican Week theme <laughs> after some discourse has taken place. <laughs> we're just all in the, we're all in sombreros on yeah, the stage. Just throwing a big fake mustache into the garbage. <laughs> God damn it. Waste of my fucking time. And then you just see it's uh, it's Spanish Day and you have to dig it back out of the garbage again. Uh no, it's uh, it's it's TF, it's Riley, Milo, Hussein, and Alice, and we are talking about some stuff, mm. uh, some items, some uh, some things that have happened, some things that happened quite a while in the past, in the terms of the uh, reading from the New York Times that I have at the end mm. of the notes, which I am very determined. Like you don't know this, listener, but maybe thirty percent of the time to forty percent of the time that I choose an article to read at the end of the show. We just don't get to it, and then it's mm. content unmade. You know the um, articles that you don't read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's That's jazz. a real musical. Uh, and I am determined to get to this one because it contains a number of things that can only really be described as corporate slapstick. Yeah, uh, oh, the, the reason why we don't get to things is because of your like iron podcasting discipline, where you're like, no, we won't run for an hour and a half unless we're talking to Patrick Wyman. We're gonna mm. we're gonna like do one hour, one hour only, and then we're gonna leave two thirds of the way through. You know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So with a view to that, I've got some news items up front. Uh number one, uh SoftBank, uh the Vision the Fund show. Has shed now thirty percent of its staff uh, facing economic headwinds. The, 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 the use oh, of the nice. word "shed" is very weird. There, like a snake. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like abandoned the desiccated husks of thirty percent of its staff. Uh, the Vision Fund has entered a new phase of still sucking. Because the thing about the yeah. Vision Fund is that, like, much like a snake, if you cut off part of it, it will grow back. <laughs> and so yeah. this is just what's happened. When the Vision Fund dies, I hope there's a big queue to go and see it lying in state. That's yeah, uh, us. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. All yeah. of us, all five of us, yeah, queuing we're up. We're going to be queuing up to be like, ah, at the monument to OYO, Green Sill, obviously, View. I can't believe they do this to Mr. Masayoshi. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I thought he was never... I thought he was... I, I mean, Vision Fund, obviously, was the stupid fund, because that's when they were really feeling themselves. It's like the Vision Fund really was like uh, Michael Jordan's brief baseball career, trying yeah. to become a two-sport athlete. Like, kind of for the love of the game, but also knowing self-consciously there's a bit out there, a bit wacky. Yeah, yep. for sure. Like, this was kind of a bet that the underlying economic conditions would stay exactly the same forever, and that there was no idea that was too stupid to make huge amounts of money. So, uh, Vision Fund 2, I again, I've combed it. There's some fun stuff in there, but got nothing like Vision Fund 1. So, you know, I'm actually kind of sad... To see it like continue Difficult to fade away like album, this. See, yeah, sequels yeah. are always disappointing, except for um, Avatar: uh, The Way of the, the Way of the Water, which is going to be great. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. Mr. Masayoshi, you would have loved Avatar: <laughs> The Way of Water. Uh, so, next one uh, is Saudi Arabia and OPEC to U.S. Uh, <laughs> yeah, every- yeah. So Liz, Liz Truss, not the only world leader in a dom sub relationship, as we've seen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, so uh, where Joe Biden has asked OPEC to increase oil production amid spiking energy costs worldwide, uh, to which Saudi Arabia said, uh, sorry, I don't recognize this number. Yes, yeah. yeah. After having gone sort of like hat in hand to, to Riyadh and, uh, you know, sort of writing off Khashoggi and everything else, uh, Biden has now finally called in that favor and the Saudis have once again been like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but also no. Yeah, like, 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 fuck. We le- basically created the conditions, and then more or less let them do 9/11. Yeah, and then they're still like, they, they no. threatened to 9/11 Canada. Like, yeah, we let it- them threaten to do that. Yeah. yeah, just like, just basically, just they were like, whoa, but take that <laughs> back. Yeah, a, cu- a country that just basically gets to um. A government, really, that gets to do everything globally on easy. Like, the Tories play domestic politics on easy mode in Britain. The Saudis play foreign pol- international politics on easy mode because, 100%. essentially, because just because of the U.S. And uh, just the one thing they're supposed to do, they have been asked to do it twice in the last couple of years and both times have told the U.S. to go fuck itself. This is amazing. Like I just don't. Okay, Saudi Arabia is the only foreign country that I am a hawk about. I, I am like Joe Biden shouldn't no, be going no, there capping hand. He should be going there fucking gun in hand, right? <laughs> he should be walking into MBS's palace with a fucking M4, saying, "Give me the fucking oil, or I will regime change you." Because that is his power. Like they are a client state of the U.S. What are you doing? Why are you asking them nicely, Joe? Just go in there with your fucking ice cream and say listen up mac you're gonna lower the fucking oil price because if you don't you'll suddenly be getting your head very cut off by a bunch of people in your country who are suddenly very armed to the teeth <laughs> yeah somehow dark brandon doesn't manifest yeah no, no. So you're, what you're basically saying is that the iraq war just needed a different target <laughs> exactly <laughs> Like, all of those processes were fine, just missed by, like, one country over. That's right. <laughs> uh, legally speaking, we do not think it's about Saudi Arabia. Our terms and conditions may apply. Oh, please do not, 9-11 in the studio. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking about this sort of, like, the, the, the stabilizing geopolitical force of US troops occupying Mecca, you know? 
<laughs> that they're having to, all these US troops having to patrol Mecca, like going around the Kaaba in circles, are accidentally becoming Muslim. <laughs> That's Doctor Kazmani's plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like in the big hotel overlooking like the the Kaaba, yeah. just like rubbing my hands with glee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, entire military's gone Muslim. Uh, another little bit of news as well uh, is this is comes from a uh, Bogota, uh, where uh, apparently um, the. Uh, Ethereum con has been held. Uh, and to me, to me, all Ethereum is an Ethereum con. Yeah, I was gonna say if I was involved in hawking cryptocurrency, I would maybe avoid the word con. Yeah, Ethereum, the gathering of the uh, of the gathering of the Ethereum developers. I mean, the thing for is, example. the mm. thing is, you can make this stuff as unsubtle as you want because all of the people who are into it are now too into it, and they'll be like, you know, just went to scam con twenty two. <laughs> so uh, essentially, what. I mean, you wonder why they why they would pick Bogota. A lot of them are saying it's all they want to hire, like highlight like developers in the global south or whatever. Uh, I, I again, uh, based on nothing, I suspect it's because they want to get uh, off that yay. Yeah, it's very I, near mm, cocaine. I, yeah. I, I mean, you can get cocaine anywhere. I think it's like at any convention ever. It is quality. like quality. Yeah. Where 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 would I like a vacation to in like a, a somewhat fancy hotel than I would otherwise get this year? I, well, they, I think they just don't want shit that's been stepped on, you know, mm. like if because like what the problem is when you get a brick, you got to triple up if you want to flip it. And in Bogota, that does not happen. You know, they've got the pure flake. I don't know any of what you just said, but <laughs> sure. Yeah. OK. Um, no, I'm not so, a drug guy. What do you want from me? You know? Uh, so in, in this case, what happened, though, is um, basically a bunch of Ethereum developers and like developers associated with Ethereum have just been getting relentlessly robbed at the airport. <laughs> Amazing. Great. Fantastic. Uh, and Bogota's not even like the dangerous bit of Colombia? No. Uh, so basically what happened with this Solana team, which is like another one of these cryptocurrencies that spiked and crashed, whatever, but that's supposed to be the next big whatever. Um, they all were wearing cover, like dripping in crypto merchandise. Like the, every article of clothing they were wearing said Solana. So they were wearing like they, a big oh, kick me sign. They, yeah. Yeah, they basically wore a kick me sign, rob, rob me and kick me sign to Bogota airport and got completely fucking wearing rocked. Wearing a huge outfit that says I am a nerd on it in 50 foot high neon letters projecting out of my backpack. I, I am a nerd. I'm unable to defend myself. I cannot really handle myself that well, but I do have a lot of fake money, some of which yeah. has been converted into real money and items. M money which I will never be able to get back if it's stolen. Oh, yeah. yeah just no, so, just so, like en entering the airport and everybody starts following you like a James Bond movie. Uh, there's a guy like looking through a newspaper with a set of eye holes cut in it at you and just having absolutely no self awareness. So you're just like, yeah, I look here, 007. It's called looking like a fucking nerd. <laughs> Try not to get robbed at the airport. Because in this case, what you're essentially doing is wearing a big t shirt that has a big sign that says money on it. Mm -hmm. And then your hat also says money, and your bag says money, and your pants say money. Wait, so this guy's either a nerd or a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, so th those are the, the bits of um, bits of fun little news items I have up top. Uh, mm. I wanted to uh, pr to proceed um, into uh, the mind of Musk. Uh -huh. That's right, Elon Musk, the mad lad, did it. He finally appears to have asterisk bought Twitter, possibly if the deal goes through, which it still say, might not. Yeah, it, it is. What are the odds that he is once again going to wriggle out of this jam easily? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I think probably not great because the court, the his offer basically. So to, to catch everyone up, 
To, to catch everyone up, Twitter was like, okay, we would like to depose you under oath. And Elon Musk was like, okay, fine, I will pay you $48 billion. <laughs> uh, anything to get out of having to tell the truth. What were they going to ask him? <laughs> what, what question? was? I can't think of anything anyone could ask me that I would pay $48 billion quid not to have asked of me. Qu- question one, Mr. Musk, how long is your penis? I mind you, you are under oath. <laughs> yeah, would, would you describe it as egg-shaped, sir? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a normal-sized load, Mr. Musk? And I remind you, <laughs> you are under oath. Sir, does Grimes or does Grimes not smell like a roll of nickels? The people need to know. <laughs> so, yeah, but the, the slightly more big, larger background on this is that if you recall, due to having a bunch of friends who are aggrieved, wealthy right-wingers, uh, such right. as Mark Andreessen and Jason Kalkanis and Rogan and all this yeah, stuff. All, all of the various nerds who have been constantly like texting him, his court yeah. of like, orbiters and betas. People who, are mm. essentially, uh, f- people who are essentially very, very convinced that, I don't know, there's Vegan Monday on a college campus and the fact that you, know, you can't call it cucked and soy without someone yelling mm. at you as a free speech issue. Well, there's quite a lot of soy in it, in fact. <laughs> there is quite Monday. a bit of soy, yeah. You can call it soy, but lowercase soy. You can't call it, uh, you can't call <laughs> it soy in that way. Um, so, essentially, uh, what happened is he, he, this all came to a head around this idea to buy Twitter, which, like, as a company, is like, not a very good company. No, like it's 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 um generally speaking, it's very bad at targeting ads. They don't actually make a whole hell of a lot off of ad revenue, or like nothing like Meta, which is or Google, which is very good at targeting it's, ads. It's it's not very like fun to use. Like this is where his like his bots thing is not one hundred percent wrong. It's like uh quite hindered as a service, but on the other hand. Everyone who is like important, which is like you know VCs, all of this shit, they like to use it, so therefore it has to be a going concern forever. Well, sort of. It is, I think, partly because it it hasn't really found a good way of monetizing itself. It's kind of the reason why it's the only functioning social network, right? Like sure. it's the only one that I can bear to use. Every other social network is so annoying. I mean, like obviously Twitter is very annoying, but Twitter is annoying because of the content. Uh, you heard Instagram it. Milo is said annoying. Twitter's not annoying, so you should post overly <laughs> familiar stuff at him. <laughs> Do not mention me. Do not be in my mentions. <laughs> I will vanquish you. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, because like if you go on Instagram, it's like. Oh, uh, yeah, like, uh, you, here's like 19 pictures from some accounts that aren't even vaguely like accounts you follow. Do you want to buy a shoe? <laughs> like, it's just, it's so, and then Facebook is just, you know, your aunt yelling about stuff. Yeah. Actually, my aunt's very nice, not my aunt. That's someone yeah, else, another aunt. relative. And TikTok yeah. is like a weird combination of both. Yeah. But usually yeah. someone else's aunt yelling at you. For some buy a shoe, yeah. 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 Who's like, you can't fuck my husband who is a pest control operative, okay? <laughs> Only the best women are married to pest control operatives. It's not cute to be a rat slut, okay? <laughs> so, uh, but also, in this case, we also have uh, Be Real, which seems to be, oh, I don't yeah. understand that one. I don't want to understand it. It's the, it's the app where you tell on yourself, because you take a picture of one thing, and then it simultaneously takes a picture with the other camera on your phone to see what else you're looking at. But uh, it takes them at slightly different times. Hmm. So you can sort of like, oh, you take a picture, here's what I'm doing, and then it suddenly takes a picture of you pulling the worst face you've ever pulled, (laughs) because you thought you'd already taken the picture. And then it's like, I've posted it, I hope you like it. (laughs) That's like, what's the level beyond simulacrum? (laughs) Or simulation? What's the level beyond simulation? Yeah, simulation Uh, two. Yeah, simulation two. No, so essentially, as a, as a business, Twitter is um, generally oh, worthless. Not, yeah, useless. It's not, it's not great. It's not nothing. 
but generally its main value proposition is very hard to monetize which is that um every you have a direct major... pipeline to the like unalloyed thoughts of everyone who matters in the world apart from Donald Trump and you can't make money off of this somehow yeah uh, but uh, and also just the fact that it sort of just happened kind of almost semi by accident right where mm. this somehow became the uh, official press release and sort of communications channel for like every major company in government and many celebrities. And it just sort of accidentally and and it just it's part of that. Um, we talk so to a lot of academics, right, about the privatization of online space or the pro or the creation of online spaces that are private by default. And just the fact that like the world's political discussion forum and the the place that like major things are announced also is run by like I don't know yeah like the um by the uh, sort of like like the bearded ayahuasca guy is mm. just really sort of very strange anyway it's a bad business uh not a lot of people would reasonably want to own it and the price Musk agreed to pay for it was uh a 420 joke that was from I imagine 2013 um yeah <laughs> yeah they don't <laughs> they don't yeah uh and so uh, effectively, right? It's a joke he's done before. He's paid huge amounts of money to do. M Elon Musk has paid billions at, or millions and millions, soon to be billions of dollars, uh, because he likes to say 420. So people can yeah. be like, "Oh, epic!" He, he uh, loves to do that. And he sucks. also he also loves to like say he's going to do something and then not do it. Uh, particularly when it becomes obvious that it's going to be it's going to involve any amount of work. Um, as as happened with Twitter, and so as the deal rumbled on, he changed his mind and tried to get out of it, only to find that he was caught dick first in a mousetrap. <laughs> and so the re the reason I think I it is probably likely to go through is just the fact that like the courts uh, at this point, it's I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that the courts are going to force it through anyway, or he's going to have to pay billions to get out of it. And he's already spent so much money just trying. Yeah, well, because he committed legally to buy it, and the, and basically the buyout clause in the contract is almost as much as just buying it. So you can either like pay like I don't know, like thirty billion dollars to not own Twitter, or forty billion dollars to own it. So you, at that point, you might as well just buy it. And the very funny thing, right, is that most of Elon Musk's wealth is in Tesla stock, and so that means he would have to borrow against Tesla stock or sell Tesla stock, which means that if Tesla stock goes down. Uh, for example, let's say in a in a sort of um, uh, secular high rate environment where sort of speculative investments like that would go down, then he would consistently have to make margin calls by doing the only thing he can do to raise money, which is sell Tesla stock, causing right. the price and, to but, go down. But like, further. clearly, that can't happen because oh, uh, as, as as a as as a well known colonel like told me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> surely this kind of vicious cycle of devaluing one's own stock through margin calls could not possibly be allowed to occur by a sensible regulatory body in any kind of sufficiently developed economy. Surely, Riley, there must be safeguards in place to prevent this kind of fast and loose behavior. Uh, n no, and it's actually not weird that there isn't, unfortunately, for the colonel. I'm afraid, in this case, the rhetorical question was no, and it's reasonable that there aren't, um, given my, the logic my, of the system. My, my question is, like, it, assuming Musk, like, actually does buy Twitter, which I don't think is like an, an inevitability even now, does he keep it? Like, at what point does he just, like, offload it to someone even dumber than him? Well, in so many cases, right, I think um, a lot of these big right-wing projects, and you also see it with, like, um, 
the way that the the way that like Britain has been largely governed the last few years is that a lot of these fantasies about if we can only just unleash the right kind of force, if we can only make the one change we all agree needs to be made, then the, our sort of perfect reality will just sort of naturally fall into place after. And I would suspect that um, a lot of the stories that a lot of these guys tell one another about Twitter focus on the idea that it's a bad business because it's secretly run by liberals who are soy and like to work from home and all that stuff. And not that it's a bad, but not that it's a bad business because at base, it's not very good as a business idea. Yeah. And, and like all of this cultural shit, it's kind of like a dog chasing a car, right? And that like you, you, you ask like, what what change would Elon make to Twitter to make it more right wing? Like it already will not ban uh fucking libs of TikTok, right? Like it basically won't ban you for saying slurs. It, it, there's very little that he would actually do to make it more right wing that it hasn't already done. Well, I think he's he's just becoming a mod. Yeah, that's what he wants is to be a mod. The thing Sorry, which makes ahead. everyone miserable. I was sort of thinking about like one was because there are like. Uh, from from what I saw of like the text messages, but also I remember like reading an article like a couple of months ago, where um like part of him sort of like continuing or at least sort of like feigning that he was interested in buying Twitter was because he was like you know his text mates like the Andreessens and Peter Thiel and stuff like that were kind of like yeah you know we'll support you if you want to buy Twitter and like you know uh d- don't worry too much about like the like extra financial costs because like for for them like it was advantageous or it is advantageous for so that someone like Elon Musk will end up buying it and what seems to be not in an again not an inevitability but something that i think is quite likely is that the people around musk who are kind of telling him these stories and reinforcing these kind of like ideas again that like you know uh if we can control you know if we have like control over this type of digital infrastructure then we can kind of like you know we can sort of you know get rid of wokeness once and for all or whatever I, you know i don't know exactly what they say and I imagine that, like, he's sort of being. I, I I can imagine Elon Musk kind of like owning Twitter, but not really caring that much about it. And so the people who are invested in like having more control over like how Twitter actually works and what's allowed on and what isn't, and who is allowed on and who isn't, um, will have like a lot more kind of uh, will have like a lot more power to do that. Um, I don't know what that looks like in practice, especially because. You know, when you hear these guys talk about Twitter or you hear them talk about social media, um, it is often in these kind of like bizarre and like, like increasingly paranoid like terms. So we've like covered it in terms of, uh, you know, Twitter is not a profitable company because like the woke left are running it. And often it's not even about like they don't really talk about much about like it as a profitable business. For them, they sort of recognize it as like a uh, distributor of information and they would very much like it to sort of be overtly on their side um, without kind of like admitting to that. So I imagine that like the advantage of having Musk in control of it means that they are going to, they, they'll, they'll feel like that's going to be a much more likely outcome. What might, what will be interesting to see is what they do when they kind of realize that there's not really any sort of tweaks that they can do to make it work in the way that they want it to work. But if they will make one, if they want it to work in the way they actually want it to work, they really have to change how Twitter works and buy and then basically just make it into an extension of truth social. Um, and like basically turn it into a different platform. I have a lot of the, the texts here in front of me that have been released as part of this, uh, this case. Um, and towards the end, we talk about what Musk has said he wants it to do and be and what that means. Uh, so, 
basically one of his first ideas was a blockchain-based version of Twitter where you have to pay a small amount of Dogecoin per comment or retweet. Yeah, and, th- and this was like so immediately horrible to even his own beloved reply guys that yeah. he sort of jumped well, off of that it be- It's because like it would be able to process like maybe a thousand tweets a minute, maybe? Yeah, that, that, that's about as many as a yeah. cent, I think. Yeah, I, I assume so. Um, I kind of support yeah. that in a, in a way. I don't know, like fewer <laughs> tweets might actually be kind of good. Just to be like, shut up, shut the fuck up, all of you. <laughs> right. Um, and also, Jack Dorsey was kind of a um, uh, a, a a kind of Renfield for Musk, of course, mm. uh, saying that Musk's acquisition of Twitter uh, and making it open source and funded by a DAO, so like that, just a foundation that sort of uh, doesn't own the protocol. Let's say he says this is the right and only path. I'll continue to do whatever it takes to make it work. Uh, Jack Dorsey, who goes by Jack Jack in Musk's phone, told Musk. Atrocious. Uh, but what I think is very funny is uh, news most anchor- of most of his texts to Elon were basically att- different attempts to rat fuck uh, Parag Agrawal as yeah. his replacement. So like, I'll do anything to get you buying to buy this fucking dog shit company. Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you you have to view this as like extended office drama, essentially. Yeah. Also, also, Parag Agrawal's barely been rat fucked because uh, Twitter stock is way up because <laughs> Musk has to. So much for it. You don't understand, Elon. He was using my mug. Uh, <laughs> Fuck uh, that guy. So, what I think is very funny is uh, news anchor Gail King said uh, <laughs> said to Elon, "Elon, you're buying Twitter or offering to buy Twitter? Now, don't you think we should sit down together face to face? As the kids of today say, this is a gangster move." Oh, me- wow. me- meanwhile, in the course of getting this, he has had three more texts from Jack that are essentially just like. Some I think you should leave shit. I'd be like, Parag made fun of my hat with the like flaps down the back. Please murder him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then he had a text from Bill Gross that said, "This is harassment." <laughs> yeah. uh, and and, and <laughs> Musk then said, "Maybe Oprah should join the board if I buy Twitter." Cool. Yeah, why not? Yeah, cool. Just make, just inst- like, just the what, board what's, of Twitter. What's the thought process that gets you from gangster move to Oprah? Uh, it, is it the case that like I feel like Elon Musk increasingly feels a bit like Zuckerberg, like a kind of like an alien pretending to be a person, and he's like, uh, maybe I should get uh, human celebrity Oprah Winfrey <laughs> to join the board of the company. Would that be amusing? <laughs> I mean, it really, it feels as like a sort of high end charity telethon is going to be the board. Like, yo, you if you call up, you can speak to um, you you can speak to the A team's face man, uh, who is also mm. on the board of Twitter. He should let me choose the board. Look, we should be getting Barrymore, Anthony Costa from Blue. We're talking Chico. <laughs> We're talking Duncan from Blue. Why not? Let's get him in there as well. All of Blue, how about? Yeah, what about, yeah, all, all the cast of Hearsay. Let's get those guys in there. Uh, Jerry Halliwell. Yeah, great, perfect. Just, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Should be run by, by British people who were last relevant in the early 2000s. Exactly. They're the people who should... Steve Brookstein, I mean, get him on there. I mean, there. to be fair, like they're probably the only ones left who would actually be kind of optimistic about technology. So, mm. yeah. yeah. I think this could work. We have the guy from Fake Taxi. <laughs> big Big John, is he called? Oh, yeah, Big John, yeah. Yeah, we got Big John from Fake Taxi. This is funny. Joe Lonsdale of Palantir said, uh, our public squares need to not have arbitrary, sketchy censorship. 
Um, uh-huh. Lonsdale then said, even Governor DeSantis just called me now with ideas of how to help you. <laughs> his sta- his state's like flooded. Yeah, and this is the like most important flo- thing he has to be doing. I mean, genuinely, mm. it, it really is. Like, this is something that will like help him be president much more than anything yeah. domestically. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Governor DeSantis just called me, uh, called now with ideas to help you and outrages at that board and saying the public is rooting for you. Uh, that's right. Ron DeSantis has asked every school child in Florida to stand together with candles and spell out Elon Musk. Stop, please uncensor Twitter. Uncock Twitter, Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, I met this remarkable young man who said, I, I can't think of it off the top of He's my gonna head. He's going to get all the school children to jump up and down in every playground across the Florida to create a kind of shockwave that will be felt <laughs> in Washington. I, I, you do not want to create extra shockwaves in Florida. Is it an earthquake area? Uh, you might don't want to summon a tsunami. I, th- I think oh, yeah. you could probably do it. It'd be fine. You should try it. See what happens. If you if you live in Florida and you're listening to this, just get together with some friends. Just jump up and down for a bit. See what happens. Um, I was going to say, Alice, uh, do you remember, or Hussein possibly also, uh, mm. when they literally did get all the school children in Britain to go out in the playground and jump up and down at oh, the same yeah. time, and then to measure it on the Richter scale? And of I course, on the Richter scale, it. it was zero. It yeah, was, it was undetectable. Yeah. Yeah, they should have gotten big guys. It was it was mm. a great it was a great early example to me that like what you do personally doesn't matter and isn't real. I I went to like a Catholic primary school and thinking back onto it, there were a lot of things I wasn't able to do because I wasn't Catholic. And I think that might have been one of them. Well, you're not allowed to jump. I wasn't allowed to do the big jump. Brown <laughs> men yeah. can't jump. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, not a Catholic school they can. I just don't remember it. So I just assume that like, yeah, you probably like had to sort of sit in the room while they all did like Catholic stuff, like, like you jumping. know, get the wafer jumping. and do the big jump. Yeah. <laughs> The the Pope shall now lead everyone in a hymn of jump around. Um, So, uh, Jack Lonsdale then said, let me know if you or somebody else on your side wants to chat with with Ron DeSantis, to which Musk Musk replied, ha ha, cool, and then stopped replying entirely. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) That's so funny. That's why DeSantis will never be president. He's too much of a pussy. Mm. He and everyone who represents him. He does have this, like, real loser energy. I saw that picture of him today. With like with Joe Biden where he's doing the virgin walk in his like effeminate uh, uh welly like Wellington boots that don't quite fit him. And he oh, has like a very odd, boots, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he has like a very odd shape as well. Like he's kind of like I mean, look, uh, being oddly shaped has never prevented anyone from getting to the American presidency. Oh no, I don't like I, I don't know whether it'll like affect his chances. I imagine in some ways it might actually like benefit him. Like in some yeah, so like but, DeSantis versus Pritzker, the like yeah. big weirdly shaped dude election. Yeah, it was like yeah, real sort of loser energy like stance. Mm. So uh, the shape of Donald Trump is so hard to even imagine what his skeleton is. Like you see some pictures <laughs> yeah. of him standing, and you're like, I just don't understand how this is fitting together. Under we're gonna have to like reconstruct him like a dinosaur. Yeah, like what's with his lower back curve? Yeah, and there's some parts where like the, the middle of his back is so much further forward than his ass that you're kind of like, how is this? You know, they're b- baffling. <laughs> It's like a cryptid. Yeah, what's up with that dude's ass? <laughs> yeah. So, I've more, so I have some more texts here that are really funny. Uh, Jason Calcanos, who we've talked about in this show before, um, also offered more unsolicited advice, um, including his suggestion to cut Twitter's workforce by more than half to make its revenue more favorable. Again, it's like, I guess if you want the bad site to be worse. Um, day zero, Calcanos writes, sharpen your blades, boys. 
Two day a week office requirement equals twenty percent voluntary departure. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking Paul Pot, but Paul is like the eight chan board. Uh, but this is that this is going to be that was really funny. I, Come I, on, it, it is. But this one's specifically laser targeted for Hussein. This next text. Um, he also suggested that Twitter should hire Mr. Beast. Amazing. To make, to make I thought you were going to say Mr. Bean, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah, that's all of us is trying yeah. to do. Um, no, uh, he cocked a caster. Well, he can desoy Twitter. <laughs> well, I, well, like, because Mr. Bean sort of modeled himself on Elon Musk, right? Or at least, like, he kind of, like, that's who he cites as his, uh, his kind of like ambition to be. So mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that would happen purely just on the basis that Elon kind of likes people that will just sort mm. of like. Like, worship him. They're already putting him on the board. But what would Mr. Like, Beast so- social experiment? I give this homeless man a seat on Twitter's board. Yeah. What would like Mr. Beast do? Like, what would he the, do the on Twitter? It. Because would- he's not. I for fuck's sake, I don't know. Please, man. Mr. Beast was my father. I feel like <laughs> call yeah, me Jeremy. I, I feel like with all these ideas, it's very much just like yeah, fuck it. Like what? Because like none of these people really care about it as a business. None, none of them really care about it as like an internet community. For them, like the past few years, Twitter has just sort of been like this kind of uh they've they've reified twitter basically to kind of and just like use it to sort of project their kind of like paranoid like paranoia and their conspiracy theories and just their also kind of like endless sense of victimhood as well um and now what's going to be very funny to see but also which could be kind of scary to see as well is well what happens when like their you know their victimhood is kind of vindicated they suddenly get access to you know while a not particularly profitable platform certainly a very influential one um and one that like has had like kind like quite de- demonstrable like material effects like what happens when they just sort of decide to extend its worst excesses either because they genuinely believe that like this is how things should work or they have like a kind of uh romanticized idea of an internet that never existed but the one where they were allowed to be as racist as they wanted to without like any kind of like pushback or repercussion but ultimately, it's very much like well, what happens when like they just get to fuck things up because that's really what they want to do, right? And like imagine for like a lot for some of the people that are contacting Musk um, and like really kind of encouraging him to like buy Twitter, you know, uh, kind of, it, there are certain indications that they very much would actually like to kind of see this platform then see the worst excesses of it like actually come out in the real world and kill a bunch of people. Yeah. I mean, I think you you asked and answered your own question, right? Like, I think that's exactly what would happen um, if these people just like because like, all these right wing social media sites, like we've talked about them in the we've done a whole specials on like right wing tech, like grievance driven right wing tech projects, and they never work because like everyone's too much of a slippery piece of shit to like keep from backstabbing one another in the bootstrapping phase. And also network effects. Like no one wants to be on the fucking like oh mm. the angry posting website yeah. where like if the only people who are on it are like four like middle aged men. Like that's not gonna. Yeah, it's, it's why like the the conservative dating app just immediately flopped because there are no women on it. Well, did you hear that thing that apparently it was like they it, it was asking people as a sign up question whether or not they were involved in January six, <laughs> and then everyone who said yes had like the cops at their door the next day. <laughs> Phoebe oh. is fully convinced that it's an FBI op, the conservative dating. Oh. Yeah, no, that's great because like they like police, right? So yeah. 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 you get a visit Thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> the FBI comes and visits you at your house. You can show them your gun collection. <laughs> you mm. find you'll you'll finally get your like you know you'll finally get your high ter- testosterone man. Uh, it's so funny. Like the, what this is, these are all these are all guys who like 
would be duped like Homer was by the free boat giveaway <laughs> at the police station. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I would be duped by they, that. They sent the femboy FBI to arrest him just to fuck with <laughs> no, but, uh, but I think, like, like we say, right, you know, this is, um, they try to bootstrap this stuff. It never really works. And so a lot of these guys who've been kind of radicalized by the same shit, just buying an already successful one, that actually, like, you know, is has the potential to, like, increase stuff like, um, as we talked about, like stochastic violence and stuff, like, it's it's not, it's not good. And because the thing is, like, increased stochastic what? violence, like Twitter already does that. Like as you say, like libs of TikTok is still around, and you know, like like it's still like you know posting videos of of of, of if a teacher is like you know um it's it's LGBT day or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, like that. It's and then I think they only. It seems like they only want to increase that tendency while also having a bunch of other stupid ideas. But in terms of identifying a real thing actually about Twitter and not just moronic soundboard, that's a thing they've identified and that they seem to like and want more of. Back to back to the lighthearted, stupid text to make fun of. Calcanus <laughs> <laughs> uh, then went on to sour the relationship he had with Musk oh, no. by syndicating the opportunity to invest in it to a bunch of people who would invest like in the hundreds of thousands, to which Musk mm. then said... Uh, I can't believe you got a bunch of randos in here. Um, Yo, this is going to be a cool treehouse for like which, me and the guy. To which Kalkana said, "You know I'm ride or die, brother. I oh. jump on. I jump on. And he means to say grenade, but he says I jump on a grande for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. If we were in Starbucks, I'd jump on a grande. Um, <laughs> so we say, what do we want it for?" Right. What does he actually want to do with it? And as much as he wants again, to find a GF, because that's how he found his last GF. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. What does he actually want? What does he actually want it for? Is because he's st- basically just is you know can't really can't really you know regulate himself. He can't articulate that to himself. Well, I think the answer yeah. is he doesn't want it. Yeah, he's worked out that he has buyer's remorse. What he <laughs> said he wants with it is to turn it into um, an everything app, which we don't really have in the West generally. Just like turn it into one big racism button. Yeah. Just press it. <laughs> well, it's he wants to turn it more specifically into a version of WeChat for the US and UK and Western Europe and places that you know use a lot of Twitter. Or also something like Grab in the Philippines, uh, which, which actually I believe is SoftBank funded. Um, write in and tell me that I'm right. Uh, don't tell me if I'm wrong. Um, and what these apps are essentially is they are a, a chat app, like WeChat in China is a chat app. But then what they did is they rolled out a feature um, at New Year, uh, some like a de- decade ago or whatever, that lets you send money through WeChat in like a little red envelope. And so everyone put their bank details into WeChat. And all of a sudden, WeChat becomes the primary digital payment methodology of China. And then um, it does. there's more. There's the, the, this could this could never happen here with our robust antitrust legislation. Ah, surely, uh, uh, any <laughs> self-respecting colonel would uh, would know the point in the podcast at which he would ask a seemingly rhetorical <laughs> question about the state of affairs at hand, only to be shockingly corrected. <laughs> uh, hot today. Uh, so. Essentially, right. This is so. This is the idea of a super app, right? You can just you take this one central thing and then just load shit onto it. So Facebook is trying to become that because they've got Meta Pay now. They have Facebook Marketplace, but Facebook Marketplace seems to mostly be a place for guys with their dicks out to sell mirrors. Like, oh my god, I can't hmm. believe I got my dick in the mirror. Are you angry uh, about the immigrants? Do you want to buy this cabinet? 
um, and so, you know, you, you can see sort of some of that start to happen, right, in, in the West, but it hasn't really taken off. Your aunt's off. done a quiz that you did when you were 14 about your boyfriend. <laughs> She's 60 years old. <laughs> not my aunt, one's aunt. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, Milo's aunt has not been involved in any of these activities. Um, so uh, Grab is another example where um, you can order a lot of food. So, it, so WeChat started as a messaging app. Grab started as a delivery app like um, Uber Eats, for example. Um, and so in a, you can say, this is an article about Grab where a woman says, I mostly use Grab to get a ride home after a night out, order a takeaway. Uh, but many also use it to send parcels and documents or shop online. One colleague purchased a home karaoke set. And you can add extensions to it. To um, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Elon Musk wants you to be able to buy a home karaoke set through Twitter. And is that such a bad thing? <laughs> yeah, the libs of TikTok branded karaoke set. And then also you can do other things, like you can buy uh, ferry tickets it's and public transport karaoke tickets. karaoke sets. It's always being silenced. <laughs> and uh, you can even take out credit uh, through, uh, through the app, right? So he, all, he all... already had PayPal. Like... If he wanted to be like a sort of a, a widespread payment processor and sort of pseudo bank, he already was that. What? Yeah, but now he wants one. That now, also... now it's posts. Now it's yeah. also posts. Yeah. And again, I, I I suspect what happened is he was like, "Fuck, I gotta buy Twitter." All right. Well, I guess I need a new world changing ambition. Mm. Uh, you know that I can sort of say is going to be why I've done this, so everyone can believe I have this master plan. Imagine if you could post about your balls and order a burger cunt at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I don't let my dreams be dreams, yeah. you know. <laughs> right, and so, but the thing is, right these these super apps, um, generally speaking, uh, number one, all it does is let's say bring huge amounts of very easily correlatable data under one roof, and in this case, under the control of one annoying guy. Um, so it's essentially a, um, it is a, uh, let's say surveillance, uh, accelerant, but also like, remember how, um, at, at any time you, you write about Elon Musk and the fact that, you know, he never fails to, you know, fucking fail at anything. Um, it's just like, okay, so he's the guy who is transforming the world through the power of his own sort of heroic ability to rest uh, technology and social change and whatever from t his pure ability, right? He's his now just saying, oh yeah, what if you could pay for something on Twitter? Is this your fucking God? Is this the best thing you can do? <laughs> Is just go buy more things from your couch and post more? And just pay. It's all you're doing is putting more activities in the phone on one app, as though that is These somehow. These are already things you can do them all from your phone already. It's just on, on, just on different apps. Yeah, just on different ones. Yeah, I don't need them all in the same app. But what like, if they were different? What if they were the same app? You know, but like, what if you could be real while you were eating? A burger you, you could, you, know? you could save literally seconds. I've been trying to come up with like a, a very a smart line about imagining flying cars and all you get is just the one app that does everything but i mm. I, I haven't been able to think about it well, but it feels kind of like if someone was smarter than me to like be able to kind mm. of yeah i don't know so, like so the, right the, 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 the flying <laughs> car guy or at least the guy who was like presented himself as being the innovator of like public tra like of transport to now like his kind of grand idea because he's sort of been forced into it by his own stupidity and addiction to posting being like uh what if, yeah, what if you could post a nude and also get a big burger um, and get a taxi for some reason? Well, it's like, because remember, right, these, all of that stuff that I described is on the other, um, on the other everything apps, 
really like all of it is either just occluded labor right because it's not the app bringing you your dinner it's not the app that's like selling you the karaoke set or just a way to connect with other existing services that's it that's all it's always funny when like two services are linked together that shouldn't be you know like when it has the like share to facebook option on Pornhub. um i was recently <laughs> chatting to uh, a guy at a party who said that a friend of his had like in in like the sort of late 2000s had had come out of like he'd been in jail on like a fairly long stretch and so that kind of like both facebook and Pornhub hadn't really been a thing in the time like before he was in prison and he came out and immediately got on facebook and also immediately started masturbating to internet pornography obviously as any self-respecting man would do upon leaving prison and then he saw the like share to facebook thing on Pornhub. And he, in a way that actually, when you think about it, is not entirely unreasonable, <laughs> interpreted that this button was there because, like, that was a thing that you would do. When, and, that, and he's like, oh, I guess, like, the cultural mores have well, moved on. Well, if it's on, the dumb thing, and we're, yeah. Yeah, and we're, now, and we're now sharing our pornography on Facebook. And so apparently he was just, like, regularly, like, doing, sharing the porn that he was watching on so Facebook. What, was this your aunt? <laughs> yes, my aunt, who went to, went to jail. And, um, and then apparently he used to be allowed to take him aside and be like, you need to just... Don't don't also, press that button. What's also kind of funny about all of this, whether it's just like the sort of fake ambition he has to build like the everything app, which again, like is very much just something that he's just like pulled out of his ass because he has put himself in this position by being addicted to posting. But also all the shit that people are telling him because they're also addicted to posting. And like ultimately what they are trying to do or like what will happen, whether they're trying to do that or not is a different question, is if they're just going to make the internet like completely unusable, like more unusable than it already is. Because right now it's just kind of like fucking chaotic because most of it is filled with ads and websites that don't work. And like the things that do work are also, also like social media apps, which are just like just pushing content at you at faster and faster rates and it just gets stupider and stupider as it goes. And... Like the, for the right wing guys who are very, um, who are very invested in buying Twitter, for them it's just like, well, we want to like own the libs as much as we can by making the internet sort of unusable for them until they sort of are forced to leave. Not really thinking about well, what happens when like you know most normal like when like normal people leave. You know what happens when you do sort of just get this sort of weird right wing you know paradise on Twitter. Um, and then for Elon, like his kind of. Compre- well, his his sort of like more optimistic view, at least he's presenting it, is one which is also just going to make everything kind of unusable as well. Because there's not, again, like in the same way of uh, like in the same format as every fucking Elon project, it's like, okay, well, you've imagined this and you've done like a little drawing of it probably, but like, how is this going to work? And what are you going to do? And like, what are the logistics of it? And in the same way as like fucking- uh, To hyper- answer your question, yeah. it won't. It won't, yeah. Nothing yeah. and not. Right. <laughs> Because it's like okay. the e- because it is the Elon playbook of just like kicking the can down the road for whether for like evil malicious purposes like with Hyperloop or just because he's a very stupid guy who like p- people seemingly just kind of love giving money to. Well, well, the the irony is that it will make Twitter paradoxically more soy because if you consider the amount of shit that he puts in Teslas. It's, you know, Twitter's going to have a fart button soon. It's going to have shit like that. Mm. Um, yeah, finally, a button on the computer that yeah, makes you fart. It's going to have an yeah. epic mode where it helps you post racial slurs. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, so, uh, in, in conclusion, uh, Elon Musk is auditioning to be the new boss of posting. Uh, yes. Let's see if he does I, I mean, kind of th- thumbs down. Elon is a, a lifetime bitch. Eh. Uh, he almost, almost certainly bluffing. I will believe it when I see it. And also, I would like to see him both take Twitter and hold it. 
Uh, Elon yeah. Musk with his bad food app. So, <laughs> yes. So uh, I, I want to talk may, for maybe a few short. We're going to go a little longer than an hour today. I'm being dragged off of my iron discipline uh, because I do want to talk a little bit about the Tory party conference. Not because of article, man? not because of anything. Uh, is <laughs> I don't want to even talk it up too much. I just giggled while I was putting it in and I want to share it all with you, my friends. Oh, it's uh, some childlike glee. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which is, but I want to talk about the Tory Party conference first, not because like anything of substance uh, happened at it. Oh, good. Um, God, no. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of these as we try said, and avoid that where yeah, possible. As we've said about a lot of like the budgets that they've announced, these are purely historical curiosities. Like uh, events will overtake them very quickly and uh, have, uh, right? But uh, and so th- much of the speech is sort of sets out that that Trust gave sort of set out a lot of the sort of same uh, bugbears, except they've got a new bugbear. Which is they've specifically yeah. targeted podcasters. Let's Trust go. two podcasters. This is this War. is my fault. This is my fault. I'm being sorry. Being a podcaster is being the new gay. That's all my fault. Mm. That's enough. that is true. I'm sorry that I said all of the things about the day collar. It might be it, it is true <laughs> and it is accurate journalism, but what I've accidentally done is I've made us public enemy number one. I know, which is, but I mean, we're we're on Team Hancock. You know, we can't be That's allowed right. to exist by a trust administration. She knows that he he is the podcaster prime minister in waiting. Well, he's the occluded prime minister. Well, I don't know. Yes. Did, did she mean like podcasts in North London specifically? Well, because what, we're not in. You know, to be fair to us, I mean, really us North London. It <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually have to have me on the podcast for the same reason that the BBC has to make like a quarter of their dramas in Sheffield or whatever. It's like regional diversification. Uh, and so this is this is the actual snippet of the speech. She says, "I will not allow the anti-growth coalition to hold us back," and then basically um, lists everyone who's not a slice of the Conservative Party members and some hedge fund guys. Yeah, the the, the, the following the following is a list of everyone who has ever been mean to me. Number one, <laughs> podcasters. Number two, <laughs> pork market owners. Uh, so. Uh, Labour, the Lib Dems, and the SNP, classic, playing the hits. Mm-hmm. The militant unions, the vested interests dressed up as think tanks, cough, cough. Uh-huh. Uh, Isn't she talk- a fucking IEA creature? Don't talk to yeah. me about think tanks. Uh, and then, and then None the next of those one, think tanks have a vested interest. Uh, strangely, uh, the talking heads, to which I would say, um, <laughs> please show her the movie Stop Making Sense and maybe she'll yeah, come around. That's right. Thank you, everybody. How, how, how mm. did I get here? How can I work this? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sick and tired of David Byrne and his big suits. <laughs> they are a disgrace. <laughs> Buy a suit that fits, David. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're, they're talking about a psycho killer and they're glorifying it as though it's something to laugh about. Well, maybe, David, if your family were murdered by a criminal, you wouldn't find it so funny. <laughs> yeah, there, there... Speaking French of all things. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And advocating arson as well. Property yeah. destruction. Uh, so the, the talking heads, the Brexit deniers, uh, who I, I haven't heard, um, and Extinction Rebellion, and some of the people we had in the hall earlier, because there was a protester. The fact is they prefer protesting to doing. And I'll say one yeah, thing. It's easier and fun, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll say one thing is... Um, 
I heard a lot of that uh, just that idea be sort of casually deployed by a lot of the labor right for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Glad to see that, um, you know, it's not as though this becoming a broadly acceptable thing because it was convenient to use against your momentary enemies uh, hasn't, you know, again, just become now something that can be turned against you. Uh, no weapon formed against me um, shall uh, shall prosper, says uh, labor right. Mm. Uh, so this is where the bit comes in about North London. They taxi from North London townhouses to the BBC studio to dismiss anyone challenging the status quo. The BBC offer a look. The BBC, when you invite on BBC show, and it's only happened to me once, um, they offer you a taxi. It's it. There's not often you get offered a taxi. You're going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> from Dartford. Yeah. 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 Legit. Legit. They taxi from, there. from their flats ta- in Dartford. <laughs> I, only ever did, I, I, only, I only ever did it once. And the taxi driver was so pissed off that he had to drive all the way back there. And like what was supposed to be like a very enjoyable moment for me because I've never like I've always had to take public transport. The guy was just moaning the whole time. He was like, I can't believe you live this fucking God, far. And I was I, like, I can't believe you live so far. I'm going to be late for that focus group for Liz Truss. <laughs> Shut up before so, I come back there yeah. and slap your tits. So yeah, so I imagine that taxi driver was part of like the Liz Truss focus group that then led to that. So I'm very sorry that I had to go on that. Also, I just say Riley time. went very Andrew Tate when he said they taxi from their flats in Dartford <laughs> your dodgy BBC interview. Yeah. Uh, they taxi from North London townhouses to the BBC studio to dismiss anyone challenging the status quo. From broadcast to podcast, they peddle the same yes. old answers. Uh, whoever wrote that, like, okay, whoever fair, wrote that is uh, lyrical. Sat back in their chair, like, <laughs> fully, like, damn, I'm good at this shit. It's so it's funny, right? Little zingers like that for Liz Truss as well, because she has no delivery. From broadcast to podcast. Yeah, she's quite a caster. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Boris would have done like quite good with that line. She just like yeah, it just kind of falls. Yeah, back. yeah. From broadcast to podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is better in Boris. Yeah, it's a lot better. Uh, almost as like, though, I can uh, hear it Britain... better in Starmer voice. Even that's how bad she is. Like from broadcast, they taxi from their North London <laughs> houses down to the BBC studio and then. From broadcast to podcast, yes, thank you. They they, <laughs> they refuse to acknowledge anything which challenges the status quo, and they show a complete lack of concern for working families. I, don't know. I think Liz Truss would really like going on like Call a Daddy or something. I think, mm. I think she'd have a lot of fun. She, oh, yeah. I think she's calling someone Daddy. I have a couple more here. Uh, Miss Truss mm. also insisted that she would not use her premiership to tell the British what to do or think or how to live your life. She said this included how many two-for-one offers you buy at the supermarket. Great. Thank I, you. Don't I, I was, I was on sick my... of fucking politicians doing that to me, you know? I, I simply think if you're getting a two-for-one offer, no, you should no, try shut and bring up, in fuck off, a, bit, a bit of balance. For example, <laughs> if you're buying the two-for-one on chocolate bars at the till, I think it's reasonable to enjoy a full-fat chocolate bar such as a Yorkie, <laughs> but I think... It, it makes sense to pair it with something a little bit more healthy, like a dairy milk fruit and yuck nut, or, or, or a raisin and biscuit Yorkie, or even a Kit Kat, which is quite a low-calorie option. And I think getting something like two Yorkies, or a Yorkie and a caramel uh, whisper, is, is too far, and I, I think encouraging that kind of behaviour is, is irresponsible. Sick of this nanny state shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and again, just uh, she's she's playing the hits, uh, and by playing the hits, I mean talking about uh, coupon she's deals. Awkwardly she covering the hits, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's awkwardly covering the hits, by which, of course, I mean talking about coupon deals. Which I admit, I, I personally, I find that nanny statism to be a bit annoying and stupid, and something that you do if you don't want to give people like actual ways to like eat. Yeah, it's like ninety percent so yeah. of SNP policy. Uh, same with like minimum alcohol pricing and stuff. It it, it is liberal. SNP right, being but. annoying and stupid. How come? come on. <laughs> what? But 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 right. That this is the sort of the fact that two for one offers at the supermarket get a line in the speech. While it's what? been acknowledged yeah. that we will have probably blackouts this winter, <laughs> seems to once again fail to grasp the seriousness of the situation. Oh, she's she's awkwardly covering the hits to the extent that like that girl on like X Factor Malaysia was singing Leanne Rhymes as Ken Lee. Like this is this is the level of just like awkwardness because she doesn't have that grasp of like bombasticism that like Trump or even or even Boris had. Like mm. she can't she can't do it. She can't be a reactionary. Like it doesn't come naturally to her. She's like she's trying to like do reactionary fun politician by numbers. She can be a reactionary pen pusher, but she can't sell it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what I mean. She doesn't have no she, she's trying to be reactionary fun she's, guy, yeah. but she doesn't have it in she's it. She's also like really used to just talking to like IEA types who would genuinely get excited by the idea of like someone not telling you how many like chocolate bars you can buy or like whether you're allowed to smoke in pubs or not. I think it's and, another... Oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead, please. Well, I was just going to say, it falls flat, like even at a Tory party conference where like more than half of the room are just like, do you realize how fucked everyone is? Mm -hmm. And do you realize that there's not really any coming back from this? Which was partly why like the whole U-turn happened. But even when the U-turn happened um, and like people were asked, but I think Owen, like, Owen Jones did like quite a good video on it. A couple of other people like did some reporting on it as well where they're like well even with the u-turn in mind like none of it really matters because well everything is fucked um you know and just like the idea that well the, the realization and we spoke about like in uh uh the episode we did with gary like i think people who like the you know there that are people last who are week's premium episode yes there are there are people who are now going to be like who have got mortgages and who have like debts that are sort of the natural part of being kind of like the aspirational middle class, but are now like completely fucked or they are sort of like on the proximity of getting completely fucked. And there's not really any way to go about it. The fact that like people's energy bills are still more than doubling in spite of like what intervention sort of took place. The fact that like mortgage rates are still rising, um, like the stuff that the government can't control. It's like, so the idea of like playing the hits, but it's like not even playing the hits that are bops regardless of the situation. It's sort of like playing songs that were maybe number one like for a few weeks and then, you know, they're yeah, not she, yeah, she's, she's, Why, why she's is the DJ the playing Summertime Sadness? It's not even yeah. summer. She's doing There's she's, No One Quite Like Grandma. She's like, and she's playing to like the fans who like B-sides, mm. right? And and the, you know in this case being like the IEA and all the sort of like fucking nerds of like Tufton Street who are still like desperately being like oh this is still a better situation than like what would have happened under Corbyn and like you know uh, you know as we spoke about as well like you know certain kind of members of those groups that in light of everything that's happening and crucially getting what they wanted have now just sort of gone truly insane by doing like more Corbyn fan fiction. Um, yeah, like I, I, you know, it just sort of felt. It, it, yeah, it just sort of feels like even by the scale of the triumph that like she kind all the crowd that she's sort of like trying to play towards, it doesn't quite hit in the way that she really wished. I'll, I'll tell you what what else is happening. Right among the MPs, she's now getting like 
betrayed and double betrayed by everyone who supported yeah, from, her. From, from the left yeah. of the Conservative Party, Not which is more than betrayed. To, to the right by Nadine Doris. Uh, uh, no, Nadine Doris, no, the Nadine Doris one is so funny, just yes. because she has the only scientifically correct position that's possible to have in British politics now, which is Boris Johnson iridentism. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I mean, the thing you've yeah, got to understand Emperor, yes. with Liz Truss is, you know, there's method in her madness, because, you know, if as if Hussein was saying, you know, your energy bills have doubled, your mortgage is doubled. What do you need? You need a two for one offer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but also the other things, right? It's it's who could have guessed that this the kinds of like flatterers, greasy pole climbers, and backstabbers who would have been Tory MPs elected like from 2010 and beyond would become a kind of ungovernable mess when they sensed weakness. No, not who me, could that's possibly sure. have imagined that? Uh, but also, right? Like, if you want to know, if in my opinion, right? Well, the Given the environment that we are in, given the media environment that we are in, given the structure of of political parties in the UK, I think it's pretty reasonable to form the hypothesis that the main driver of political change is whatever splinter party appears in the Tories' right to provide yes. the right wing answer to uh, whatever the crisis is, right? Because we are just in this sort of overlapping poly crisis and the right wing answer last time was Brexit and then it was just like scrapping COVID restrictions and stuff. And now, right, the Reform UK, that political party, uh, which uh, Richard Tice co-founded, is now mostly, again, in a, in a winter that will probably have power cuts, campaigning against net zero and for more like fracking and fossil fuel. Hey, at, at, at least it was. At least it's not me again, you know, because that that's the like more explicitly fascist thing. Your patriotic alternative is uh, grooming and like uh, fucking sex education and. Sh- oh, I mean, I hate to dis. I mean, I, I hate to disappoint you, but also, you know, if you saw what would happen at the LGBT conservatives event again, the party kind of lost control of this thing that was momentarily convenient for it among its base because essentially. A bunch of conservative members who are all there at conservative conference who spent the last three years on fucking Facebook and looking at libs of TikTok or whatever went to the LGBT uh, conservatives party and had to get fucking removed. Jesus, no, I didn't see this. Fuck. Well, I mean, yeah. play stupid games, win stupid prizes, I guess, being an LGBT Tory, but fuck me. Yeah. So, like, this is like that. This there. It's not like that there is just one particular issue right like these all these issues are sort of overlapping just as all the crises are overlapping but um you know i mean this Great. is this, yeah fantastic this is what's coming out of tory conference and if you want to know and that's what's in the tory party now right and already there like all the like like homophobia and uh, and transphobia and all this stuff is all in Tory party now obviously it has been for a long time but it is it 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 has shed, essentially what has happened is the membership the, the, it feels like the the sort of cu- the sort of let's say the Cameron era right is over, and I think again like this is going to be something that the that the bigwigs in charge lose control of, uh, and it sort of again like overtakes them like just like all their bashing of net zero, which a lot of them have realized. Fuck! This is actually a a pretty good industry for us, and b a good way for to promote capital expansion, and c probably just pretty important to do if we want to take the long term interests of the wealthy into account. All of those people, again, who've spent a lot of time very conveniently bashing, um, uh, promoting climate change skepticism, rather, uh, now once again they're being uh, outflanked on their right by by Richard Tice, uh, who again is is powerful because he is making what appears to be a common sense point. Uh, if you live in this world, if you live in this country, if you're suffused in our media and politics, that seems like a common sense point, and that you'd have to be an egghead to not believe it. 
So once mm-hmm. again, you have to look like Mark Andreessen. Once again, uh, the conservative conservative bigwigs have uh, played themselves, and as a consequence, everyone else. Yeah, what it kind of felt like, because like I think we often forget, or like it's easy to sort of forget that like the Cameron coalition, the, the Cameron like support, and the revival of like, oh, and this like <clears throat> the idea of like the modern Tory, like that sort of kind of co- like coalition that was sort of cultivated for a very long time, and also like the extreme elements that were always there were kind of like contained in different ways. They were either like contained by the party infrastructure, or a lot of it sort of. Um, a lot of it was like contained in sort of like the uh, Eurosceptic movement of that time. Um, and so like it was much more easy to manage. And the problem is, is that now that the Eurosceptic like movement is not really there so much, or they're like far more interested in like COVID conspiracies, but generally that they're also just getting more radicalized by posts. Um, and you're right. Like, I think that this is going to be a political problem more generally that like, it will just be far more difficult to like kind of build coalitions of voters or build coalition, like build political coalitions that um can work within like a parliamentary democratic process but i think with the tories like it'll be interesting to sort of see especially when like you know and it's very likely that labor will kind of win by you know somewhat decent i don't know like how big the majority but they'll win by default and they'll win they'll and they'll have a majority of some some sort of bath party margin (laughs) from the looks of it like you know it's gonna look like a mustache yeah, Keir Starmer with a bunch of medals on his jacket, mysteriously. <laughs> but because they'll sort of win on the basis of like, you know, we'll continue to manage the decline, but like in a slightly more kind of organized way and we'll kind of bring some more consultancies into it. Um, it'll kind of mean that like during the sort of Tory rest period, which is sort of like what most of the people at the Tory conference from what I heard from, you know, uh, uh, people that were there, like they're all sort of expecting. Like it's, I, I imagine it'll be very likely that for the younger generation of Tories, they'll just sort of be much more... Um, I don't know. Yeah, they'll become a lot more radicalized by posts, and what we'll sort of see is like much more sort of extreme elements that, uh, why well, I, I guess like you know to put it in like simpler terms, a lot of the stuff that we're sort of seeing from like patriotic front and all these sort of far right groups that are protesting or like not I, protesting is not the right word, but are sort of like showing up outside of libraries, uh, like that are hosting sort of like trans with events with trans people, um, you know and. When those guys are there, it's not because they're like protesting against like trans people just because of that. They're also trying to recruit people and they're using like recruitment tactics that are very much just like making common sense points or like using common sense points and like reappropriating them into like nationalist talking points. And you can sort of see that for like younger Tories are getting very, you know, they're sort of getting very enthralled by that. I wouldn't be surprised if like the kind of during that period of time, what we will see is a much more kind of culturally radicalized Tory party that the Labour Party will not really have any interest in engaging with. Um, yeah, and I, I until like it becomes too late, and then they have to engage with mm. it too. Mm. I think that's that's probably that's probably right. And I hey, think and it's Rachel something- Reeves is ready to fucking lead the charge yeah. to like just <laughs> yeah just go all in on that. You know, yeah. uh, if you if you saw her thing, her criticism of the the, the Tories at the moment is not really deporting anyone, which is fucked yeah. up of them because they should be. Yeah, you said you said there would be deportations, and I'm looking, and I'm not seeing deportations. I, I love my that wife. Like, she's very concerned with the matter of the deportations. Where mm-hmm. are the deportations, and so on? I'm holding the Tories to account on their own terms by being like, "Well, these racism numbers that you've got here—they're much lower than you claim they would be. Look, there's <laughs> been far—you're perpetrating far less than you look. You've made a promise to voters about the amount of racism you would do." 
and you're you're under I I love it's so good that kind of like managerial like they're incapable of seeing things other than in like ah more broken promises yeah, well, from the would, I, well cuz like you know her, her thing and I'll make this point very quickly was just like the processing is taking too long and this that's like holding back deportation and I would and I wouldn't be surprised if like the evolution of that will be like well under labor we'll make the process of deportation much more efficient by introducing an app um, We're gonna have a hyper- yeah, and also, yeah, and also be a hyperloop yeah. back directly to, to Rwanda. Direct, yeah. Directly to Rwanda. <laughs> you can post about your balls, order a burger con, and get deported all in one app. Um, so, <laughs> look, I'm I'm breaking my own cardinal rule here, and I'm going long. I'm introducing a new segment after an hour, which I never do. But I just I found this article I thought was very cute. Uh, and okay. so I'm deciding to read it. It is. It's about two fluffy animals <laughs> that made friends. No, it's right. about. It's a, new, it's a New York Times article about McKinsey's consulting with the tobacco industry. Ah, okay. So I'm just taking a few little bits because there are just a few bits I want to get to. But essentially, uh, McKinsey, I mean, look, anyone listening to this podcast will know that, you know, if a company says, we love to live our values and McKinsey's like, our values are fairness and social impact or whatever, you can know they're just doing whatever the client needs. Like, that's mm-hmm. the point of McKinsey is to do whatever the client needs and with the, what the client needs is a big PDF that just says, what if there was a second moon in Neom? Then that's what they're going to fucking get. Um, so, yeah, but to provide this veneer of like operational efficiency over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, and so this is from there. And as you know, of course, they also consulted with Purdue Pharma. Uh, they were like, you know, if you addict everyone to opioids, then they'll buy more painkillers. Which is a brilliant thing to... Re- no one's ever realized that before. It's not as though no. there have been wars fought over that particular thing. Yeah. Um, I'd love to have seen that PowerPoint. <laughs> that would be a great... Like, some, like, 24-year-old, like, graduate who's just like, uh, opioids are very addictive. Uh, and if you... Next slide, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is about its work with the tobacco industry. McKinsey began counseling the tobacco industry in 1956 when researchers had already reported counseling data. Counseling is a very funny yeah. choice of word here, like because of its trauma. Yeah. <laughs> um, reported data suggesting that smoking appeared to cause cancer. Back then, Philip Morris hired McKinsey to conduct a wall to wall examination of its manufacturing operation. Uh, consultants visited plants, interviewed managers, and st- studied sales figures. In a subsequent study, they recommended how the company should set up its research department. But this report was significant for another reason. It foreshadowed the industry's transformation from a largely agricultural product to a scientifically engineered cigarette with fine-tuned nicotine levels, citing the development of reconstituted tobacco. So basically, in this case, um, they recommended don't just like, you know, grate tobacco leaves and roll them up into a cigarette. You should like do like the rest of the thing that's happening to the entire American food system and turn it into like somehow more poisonous and engineered than it currently is. Anyway... So they kept serving the industry for many years, but then also worked at the FDA. Um, and so after, and so in 2009, McKinsey worked with the FDA on a variety of issues, um, <laughs> despite the fact that uh, that then the FDA didn't know that McKinsey had also been working with every big tobacco company for decades. Um, and- Did they not suspect it? This, this strikes me as they, are they so naive? And this is this is getting to the point now. Which is why I really wanted to read this article. So in subsequent years, the agency awarded the consultancy $11 million for advice in tobacco regulation and so on. Eric Lindblom, former director of the Office of Policy and Center for Tobacco Products, said he was startled and surprised to learn of these apparent conflicts of interest. 
<laughs> if, if you had to characterize this guy as having like a sort of an officer's rank in a southern state. Well, I, uh, I think this guy's less of a Kentucky colonel and more of a guy whose office is the back of a turnip truck. More, more of a sort of like French occupied Moroccan kind yeah, of Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of Camus character. Um, what I was going to say is startled mm. and surprised was the less successful sequel to Dazed and Confused. Yeah, about regulating the tobacco industry. <laughs> oh my, oh my, oh my. <laughs> Who would have thought that this consultancy company was in bed with big tobacco? Says, he then goes, well, he, I never. He went on to say, I can't believe we didn't think, duh, of course they're also going to serve the industry. <laughs> just just uh, a perfect example of just getting, <laughs> getting, just, the, the, the American regulatory system works in one of two ways. Either the regulators have to be completely captured or they have to be like, Every, every single person who's senior at the FDA or the SEC is either get completely captured by industry or has undergone the same process that Tom Hanks underwent in the movie Big and is actually 13. Yeah, I love that he said, duh, out loud. <laughs> yeah, we did Amazing. Think, duh, they of course they could also serve the industry. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's obvious now when you think about like with hindsight, like, duh, like, yeah, sure, McKinsey are working for Big Tobacco, but at the time, like, they had good vibes. Yeah, the surfer FDA. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, uh, the a fucking dude association. <laughs> uh, in a slide deck prepared for Altria, formerly Philip Morris, McKinsey offered ideas for how the tobacco company could keep existing customers and create new ones. It presented a mock-up of what a Marlboro smartphone app would look like, complete with a way for loyal po- loyal smokers to win points redeemable for small prizes. So basically, yeah, we're going to create a smartphone app that's the opposite of a stop smoking app. It's a keep smoking app. <laughs> yeah, and so you win yeah. prizes by smoking. That's all right. Get like a discount on cancer treatment. And, th- and, and then uh, <laughs> this is one of the other ones that really just tickled me from imagining the visual of mm. it. Because again, McKinsey likes to distance itself from these kinds of things and be like, oh, we do, we do have our values and so on. In a slide deck seen by the New York Times, one slide said, we are one team, Philip Morris and McKinsey. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Amazing. We are on the same side. Um, <laughs> McKinsey also advised Altria, what Philip Morris is now called, on marketing mm. e-cigarettes with the goal of making one of its products Nespresso for vaping. Oh, that's so cool. Awesome. Pete Buttigieg got you to vape is the takeaway. Nespresso for vaping. Are we going to have like mm. George Clooney vaping and like offering his jewel to a sexy yeah. lady? Well, you can have like, you know, cafes that mm. do Nespresso and you can vape inside. Yeah. Well, I guess it, I, mean, I guess it sort of already exists. Well, if but, you can yeah. vape inside, anywhere is a cafe where you can vape inside. Yeah. Mm. You know. <laughs> what a beautiful sound. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the, the other one I really enjoy. This is my favorite bit of the article. And fundamentally, this is why I wanted to bring it up just towards the end here. This is their uh, work with Juul. Uh, in 2017, uh, McKinsey performed a pricing study for the Juul vaping device. But they also, then afterward, offered advice on branding organization, retail, flavor evaluation, youth vaping prevention, mm. and regulatory issues. Now, uh, this is... Um, Listen, there's no reason why you can't be a poacher and a gamekeeper at the same time. If anything, yeah. it makes you better at being a gamekeeper because you know what the poachers are doing. Because so what the are, poachers are you. Yeah, because it's what you. Are, one of yeah. the reasons that uh, this is all in the public domain now is that they were deposed. Ah. Um, and so this is... Uh, how, how many billion dollars did they offer to not get deposed? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's because they, they don't. that's the one thing. Is there, There's so much of a bitch, they didn't even offer the billions to not get deposed. You know, so uh, McKinsey acknowledged that that what they had done for for Jewel 
with surveying teenagers as young as 13, asking them to rank flavor names in order of preference. But we emphasize, yeah. It's very Va- closely to opening big <laughs> overcoat and going like, hey kid, you want to vape? They um, went to the skate park. Uh, mm-hmm. Selling dope. <laughs> also, crucially, I, I don't know why they did this, but when they went to the teens to ask them about vaping, they were like, oh, by the way, whatever flavor you choose, it has to smell like absolute shit. <laughs> like, really, like, had, like if anyone on the same street as you has to be aware that you are smoking something that smells like burned TV. Uh, so, uh, the lawyer representing the clients who sued Jewel for marketing to children uh, pressed uh, McKinsey on that answer. Did anyone... Yeah, he sued them because it yeah. all smells like fucking awful strawberry. But with Did anyone at McKinsey you know? stop and say, hey, maybe we shouldn't be helping tobacco companies study teenagers? McKinsey responded, the stated objections were to help inform youth prevention activity as well as responsibly introduce a flavor that was appealing to adult smokers only. Oh, they're going to have a flavor that's like the mosquito thing <laughs> they used to have at British yeah. corner shops. It's, like a, it's a flavor yeah, that's really yeah, annoying yeah. to yeah, children. Or like, like, like artichoke. Or like, or like an olive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I don't know, like yeah. an oud, like a, yeah, oh, an olive like vape. An oud flavor. A cloud of olive vape just I, I'm a grown up you smoking my trout to vape. <laughs> my smoked salmon e cigarette. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just enjoying this truffle vape. <laughs> Gochujang, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gochujang vape might be good, actually. <laughs> uh, if you're listening, Jewel. I, so, oh, patent so, pending, the, patent so pending. In retrospect, the lawyer uh, pressed, does McKinsey think this survey was appropriate? <laughs> I don't have an opinion on it, said the representative of McKinsey, but he added that it felt correct. Incidentally, mm. <laughs> incident, so it's just like, yeah, no, we were only trying to get directions to the porno shop to go away from the porno shop. Exactly. So the survey found that the flavor, 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 by the way, from ages 13 to 21 was mint. Yeah. Uh, the it's lawyer, a classic. Can't go wrong with that. The lawyer then said, did you know that mint would go on to become an incredibly popular flavor with teens only one year after this PowerPoint deck was presented? They invented menthols again. Mm. Like, by this point, the tobacco industry is now copying well, its own well, menthols. Well, 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 so well, good, to well, be fair. Alice, you mentioned menthols. Mm. Do you know the consultancy that came up basically with mental- menthols? It's McKinsey. Incredible. Uh, oh, so they're good now. Okay. Part of the full self. Part of the true self persists in the full self, etc. McKinsey is responsible for so many of my good child, like my good teenage memories. This is like when they do a reboot of a film 40 years later with like the main actor's son. It's the same thing. Like it's like the son yeah, of the yeah. original McKinsey consultant. He's yeah. bringing in the mint vape rather yeah. than the mint some, cigarette. Yeah, for some reason, like the Shaft theme song is playing. Uh, to be clear, they didn't. <laughs> sorry, they didn't invent the menthol cigarette, but they did work with the company that marketed the menthol cigarette. I see. Okay, they were. I also love yeah. that Philip Morris is now called Altria. Altria, making it sound like it sounds like a company that collects the bins in like East Nottinghamshire. <laughs> or like, I think. <laughs> I know that that's the strategy yeah. of every evil company now is to get a name that's as boring as possible, so like no one could bear to discuss it. Yeah, so, I, yeah, horribly. So, so. Uh, anyway, this after finding out the most popular flavor among teenagers was mint. Uh, one year after that PowerPoint deck was presented, uh, wouldn't you know it? It turns out that the most popular jewel flavor among teenagers was mint. <laughs> uh, and then the McKinsey representative said, "I was not aware of that." <laughs> And, and that's that's I love that so much. Just like, ju- just the the simple thing of no, we're doing a youth vaping prevention study 
on how they would like to vape so we can get away from there. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. Well, surely a study could not simply be reverse engineered by some kind of pernicious force to simply work out what flavors would be easiest to sell to the youth. Surely some kind of safeguards were put in place to ensure the correct use of this here information. Colonel Acaster, I'm so sorry, but no. <laughs> McKinsey is so fucking cringe, though, because you have to deploy the sort of, like, CIA level of evil, where you're, like, bureaucratically, you're being deposed, and you're like, oh, I have no recollection of that. But instead of shipping guns to Congo, you're shipping <laughs> vapes to teens. That's, that's <laughs> like, the stakes are so much lower. And it's, often enough, it's, like, the same people, you know, like, this, because we know of this, like, revolving door between your intelligence community and your consultancy and all this shit. Like, you could genuinely have come down in the world from, like, I used to be saying I I have no recollection of that program about a thing that was like spraying nerve gas on people's door handles, and now it's like uh, uh, olive vapes. I love the idea of McKinsey consultant doing a PowerPoint to the GRU. <laughs> what is Novichok? Okay, let's McKinsey McKinsey and the GRU are one team. According to our research, Russian dissidents love using door handles. A hundred percent of the Russian dissidents we surveyed use a door handle every single day. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us they're touching these things. <laughs> so don't put nerve gas on them, whatever you do. Yeah, this is, mm -hmm. this is Russian dissident uh, accidental death prevention survey. <laughs> so, like, we asked uh, what things would definitely kill you. <laughs> to a bunch of Russians, so you can be sure not to put them in a room with any of those things. <laughs> and top of the list was Novichok nerve gas. Second, um, <laughs> hippopotamuses, very dangerous animal. Yeah. Oh, oh! I would love to see <laughs> the GI of the very unfortunate accident here fall into hippopotamus enclosure uh, in his own house. Uh, which he had built without his own knowledge during the night. Uh, which is how he fell in there, because he did not know it was there. He was just trying to kill himself by uh, jumping from first floor window, but uh, sadly he fell into hippopotamus. <laughs> Hippo hippopotamus tank built as a result of butt dial. <laughs> the contractors accidentally thought they should install. Uh, yes, Judd Apatow movie-style misunderstanding happened <laughs> in real life with contractors. Uh, Zoo was delivered a new bathtub <laughs> in Moscow. Very, very silly. Uh, the visitors to the zoo said, uh, where are hippopotamus? Uh, it was eating men. Very sad. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I love the uh, the new whimsical department of the GRU. <laughs> like like post Soviet, yeah. they were like, okay, we gotta keep these guys in work. I guess the the whimsical assassination <laughs> squad. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I don't think we're gonna beat. Um, I, I I expected we were gonna end a few minutes ago. I didn't think we, I, but I don't think we're gonna beat. Uh, whimsical Very sad. He saw ass <laughs> that was too big, and it gave him heart attack from too much arousal. Uh, very sad. A normal size ass was delivered to strip club by mistake. <laughs> His wife was replaced with a mannequin made of lit dynamite. <laughs> anyway, all right, all right, all right. Whimsical GRU, one for the ages. Uh, and mm -hmm. another one for the ages will be you when you sign up to our Patreon. It is $5 a month. You get a second episode every oh, week. Yeah. Um, 
And also, don't forget, like we said earlier, there's that live show in London. There are a number of live shows in Australia. There are. Um, uh, Two of the Melbourne dates are sold out, but you can come to the Melbourne Britonology on the 19th of November. We still have tickets in Sydney, which I believe is on the 10th of November. And uh, we still have tickets in Canberra, which is on the 15th of November. I'm really pulling these dates out of my ass here. Um, we, uh, I am doing a stand-up show in Melbourne on the 21st we of have November. Brisbane tickets left? Uh, yeah, I think there are some tickets in Brisbane for the show on the 8th of November. Um, I'm also doing a show in Brisbane on the 23rd of November. I don't know if the tickets will be up yet when this episode comes out, but hopefully they will be. Um, and I'm also doing a show in Sydney on the 24th of November. Again, not sure if the tickets will be up, but that will be happening. So if you're in that city and would like to come, save the date. We are too damn Antipodean. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we'll see you on the bonus episode in a few days. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.